on this Feelman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I'd never say never, but I don't think I'd ever go into pro coaching or college coaching because of time demands, but I'm not going to say I'm never going to coach. I, I'm not going to say I wouldn't coach at a high school. I'd love to coach linebackers at a, at a high school level one day. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know, but I'm always looking for new challenges. Spielman Hooley podcast at gmail.com coaches if you're looking for a linebacker coach you're gonna get offers now that you said that jonathan alder do you need anything while i'm out here while i'm out here do you need a linebacker coach older pioneers need a linebacker coach you're out here anyway you might as well double up might as well hang out in the weight room all day what is are you ready to go out of the fox broadcast booth and no into nfl coaching because you don't like the new cba is that it the 17th game spielman's bailing nope nope i'm gonna coach high school football (laughs) no i like the new uh, cba we'll talk about that yes we will those comments about uh, coaching football were in relation to something else not the cba which is uh you know taking some headlines as well as other things that we'll get into today on a friday edition of the spielman and hooley we tackle life (laughs) podcast thanks for joining us you're scrolling in your phone to start the show what are you looking up um, how much money I lose with all the jobs that I have. Oh, okay. I actually pay to do this job. That's you, you do pay to do this job. <laughs> We're hoping to correct that. By the way, I got news on that at the end of the podcast wow. for you and I. Really? Yeah. We do might I have be, to do anything? You have to do nothing. Okay. It's just exactly what I count on. <laughs> <laughs> so you go oh. into that in your negotiations. I do, I say. As, full, as, full, uh, full disclosure, he will do nothing. As a no, CEO, CFO. Yeah, we do this for fun. Yeah. And impact. Yes. Yes, we do. Um, well, let's start with the bad last night. <laughs> I was on a conference call. You were on a Twitter tear, too, by the way. Yeah, a little bit during my conference call. Conference call with uh, some really wonderful uh, people that I've been uh, associated with and blessed to be associated with over the last year while Ohio State was playing. So I was double dipping. I was trying to do my conference call and cover the game. And uh, they, they made it easy for me. They fell behind by 15 in the first five minutes. And I'm like, okay, I can pretty much count this as an L and start writing. I look at the team and I I watched the game last night and I watch this team play and they're hard to like. I want to like them. Yeah. You know, like when they had guys like Lighty back in that, those days, mm-hmm. I mean, they were easy to like. Carmen's crew, the TBT champs, yeah, Lighty yeah. and Diebler and Aaron Kraft, guys who play weren't hard they easy, make shots. Weren't they easy to like? They were very easy to like. And the, not that they're obviously they're not, they're not, not, they're not, they're not unlikable. Kids, no, right? they're good kids. They're really good. Yeah, Kyle Young's easy to like. Yeah. Dwayne, they're all easy to like. Collectively, the it's, way they play, I can't take it. It's hard to like. And you all, I mean, I see the frustration on Coach Holtman's face but there's no answer to anything i mean there's there's no intensity i think that obviously the was the lidell cj lidell had 17 points last night which was cj uh, yeah, yeah uh, ej lidell EJ, which was good to see for the future he but. was the one who brought the kind of effort you need to bring right. to win a game on the road against the 20th ranked team in america but when i you know when i see 55 do whatever he wants to do and step back and hit threes and oh by the way spin moves in the post and Everything you want him to do, and number ten splitting a double team with a, a crossover dribble, then going down the middle of the lane and two hands slamming on everybody. I, I came in this morning as a dude. Are those two guys like lottery picks? Are they that good? Or, or... Luca Garza is really good. Fifty-five. He's yeah. made himself look. I mean, okay, here we go. We'll get some Buckeye fans won't like this. Luca Garza is what I thought Caleb Wesson might be this year. When what's Caleb, wrong with that? When Caleb did did all the off-season physical fitness work to get into 
the kind of shape that he's in. But look, Luca Garza leads the league in scoring 24 points a game. Everybody in the country is talking about Luca Garza and the impressive uh, transformation he's made from last year to this year. So if you're Caleb Wesson and you want to be thought of that way and you want to be an NBA player, you have to know that NBA scouts are going to be watching that matchup with Luca Garza and you have to know that you have to win or play that matchup even for your team to have a chance to win the game. And Luca Garza just owned him. I mean, Caleb just got thoroughly outplayed last night in that matchup. It's not even right. close. Well, and I think it's been uh, the story of the season was the message of that that game last night. You don't know what you're getting with this team. We never do. Who's going to be a consistent scorer? There's nobody that you can count on every night. I mean, you can count on Luca Garza every night for twenty four for Iowa. You can count on probably number ten uh, for at least six fifteen. I think he's averaging coming in was averaging fourteen or fifteen. And you count on those two yeah. guys and whatever else you get, and you know you're going to get it. You just don't know where it's coming from. Is going to be bonus. And there's no answer. I mean, we have no answer. It's just, it's very frustrating. That's why, I mean, it's hard to like. It's hard to be a fan of them. I am a fan, but I get frustrated like everybody else. And to go down like they did and get punched in the mouth on the road, I mean, how are you going to come back when you're down 18-3 to against a good team? I I don't see that happening. Not happening. And not on the road. Well, I mean, you know, uh, that said, they did get it to eight at the end of the first half. But did it ever feel that close? Then they leave Wieskamp wide open in the corner for a three. He's going to make that seven out of ten times. And so they're down 11 at half, and then there's a period in the second half where Iowa goes five straight possessions without scoring. Okay, it's a ten-point game. Hey, here's where we make our run, boys. No, we go six straight possessions without scoring. And it's just you don't have anybody you can throw the ball to to say, we're getting a basket this time, or I'm getting to the foul line. Kyle Young plays his tail off. He hustled and got him back in the game. Caleb was just – Caleb was mentally not there last night. Yeah, it's frustrating. He's a junior. C.J. Walker's a junior. Andre's a senior. And Chris Holtman has said many times, oh, you know, our upper-class leadership is great. We A big part of leadership is – performance under pressure you have to be able to perform i can't i mean how many times have i said it since you've known me you can't lead without performing yeah you follow the guy who can do it and there's no consistent production that's the story of this team and it's uh very frustrating i watch actually watched the blue jackets also lose in the three on three overtime last night but six in a row but captain nick felino with a beautiful between the legs goal Nice. Wasn't his fault. Well, then it's all worth it. It wasn't Felino his fault. I know you, Nick, or it's everybody else's fault. Pals and neighbors and <laughs> confidants. Wow. And Maddie would refer to me. Maddie, of course, being my oldest daughter, who used to work at us as the now defunct one hundred five seven the zone, who's who's dropping people like uh, Biggest Loser contestants drop lbs. I mean, what's shout out to Eric Reeser. What's going on over there? Man? I have no idea. So, uh, I mean, that's not a shot at him, is it? No. <laughs> it, I think we're well past our separation agreement. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I don't need. I'm hearing from lawyers about iHeart, but not not oh, on you the are? Oh, not on the iHeart uh, not on the iHeart side. Oh yeah, they got some class action lawsuit about their uh, retirement plan or something like. Yeah, I'll oh. be a part. Like, who wants to be a part of that? No thanks. All right. So anyway. Yeah. So Eric. Hey, by the way, all the People out there who need really good employees. We've been slack and not saying Lori Schmidt's name for a while, but Lori yeah. Schmidt, Eric Reese are two really hardworking people. They do yeah. a great job for you. Do they want to pay to work? They can come here. Yeah, yeah, the they want to pay to work. Manor. They can drive out here <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning, three days a week. 
You didn't even get your free Diet Coke today. I know. I'm going in there in a second. Dodge the doggy doo-doo on the way in. <sighs> what do you do with a dog that does its business on the driveway? Like, I have no shortage of lawn out here. No, that's... that's... I got lots of lawn. Why yeah. is my dog now all of a sudden, like, doing its business on the driveway? Because he's getting older and he doesn't care. That's I have it. two older dogs. That's they just it. don't. They don't care. And what are you going to do to me? That's what they're so saying. Is that what my wife has to look forward it, to for it, me in a couple years? <laughs> ah, I didn't want to make it to the end of the hallway. Sorry, dear. <laughs> yeah, as well. Uh, yeah, I uh, I'll move on from that one. But okay. I, maybe that's the case. I don't know. You know, she she said she said in sickness and health. So yeah, she'll take care of you. All right, uh, Buckeye hoops. One other thing to tackle: DJ Carton is uh, has, I guess, flown back to Columbus with the team. D.J. Carton, Mr. Basketball in the state of Iowa. He's the guy I thought was capable of of kind of bumping this team up a notch, a guy who can go get his own shot, create shots for yeah. others. He's a uh, pretty electric talent, uh, played his best game at Northwestern and then took a leave from the team for mental health. Uh, anything they say from here on out? We obviously know D.J. Carton's mental health is the most important thing and all that, but right. it would be nice to have him back on the team. It would be nice so, to make a run in, see, for the Big Ten tournament. Right. So uh, Wednesday at 3.20-ish p.m., uh, with Ohio State going to Iowa to play and D.J. Carton being from Iowa, I asked Chris Holtman, uh, would D.J. Carton attend the game or would D.J. Carton play in the game? He answered the question like this, and then I followed it up. There's a lot that has to happen before that's even in the conversation, um, you know, medically and in terms of overall health. So I, I no, that's that's not even been uh, consideration. Are you hopeful of getting him back this year, or should is that? Yeah, not, I'm not really accurate? just um, outside of really focusing on our team. It's a, it's a valid question for sure. Um, I would say, as it pertains to him, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that he, um, that we can get him on a path towards towards health, um, towards improved health. That's the only priority, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think obviously we're late in the season, so you can draw your own conclusions on that. So that was not me typing, by the way. That was thank I think it was goodness. Adam, Adam Jardy. So draw your own conclusions. What's he saying? Well, I took. I mean, you tell me. I don't think he's coming back this well, year. Well, less than twenty four hours later, he's. They announce he's coming back to Columbus to school, with the team. I did not anticipate that. Based upon his answer, did you? Did you? My ten, the tenor I took from his comments, were. There's a lot. I mean, he said there's a lot that has to happen. Right. So, I, so I didn't think that like less than 24 hours we'd be getting word from Ohio State that DJ Carton is accompanying his teammates back to Columbus and he's going to be in school. He's not going to be a part of the team yet. I don't. We'll find out. Uh, I don't know if they have availability today or Saturday. Yeah. If he's going to be able to come to practice or start to practice or not practice, I don't know. We'll get some detail on that. Uh, well, I'm drawing my own conclusions, and from what he said, when he said it's obviously it's late in the season. That's telling me he's not coming back. I wonder, can he get a medical red shirt? No, he's played too many games. Really? Yeah. I, are, are you I sure think. about that? He's played played in like twenty games. Okay. So I would think no, uh, but I was surprised that he was coming back in any capacity, based upon the comments from the coach on Wednesday afternoon. It's good news. He must be progressing somewhat. Yeah. 
Well, I, again, with mental health, I, I, I do know a, a little bit about this issue, just a little bit, and having some experience with uh, people and talking to mainly NFL guys and, and the awareness of mental health in the NFL is uh, light years from where it was when I played. And a lot of it is, and I think is getting the right mixture of medications or finding a medication mm-hmm. that works to be able to uh, have that person uh, calm down a little bit or f- figure out what makes them feel better and, and getting healthy. And I do think that the medication part of it is something I'm, I'm purely speculating and only doing what coach told me to do since I'm a coachable guy. I'm drawing my own conclusions and I do, I know this that Ohio state will definitely make sure as it's, it is its responsibility because it has the resources to do so to make sure that DJ is ready to go both mentally and physically before he steps back out on the court. And that's a responsibility of the athletic director and the coach, in my opinion. We certainly, I think as a society are much more enlightened on mental health oh, absolutely. now than we were even 10 years ago. However, we have not all we are we are not always enlightened as ardent fan bases. I just hope when DJ comes back, there's not some. I hope this is not used against him by opposing fan bases because that would be a really that's way over the line. You can um, boo guys and you can do this that and the other, but that's. I mean, I, I I'm not gonna be surprised if it happens, but. I don't agree with it, but I think when you're at a certain level, whether you're in the NFL or the major college or university, and you're you're playing at that high of a level, you got to be able to got to be able to deal roll with, with it. the punches. It's going to happen. Yep. And if you think about it, our society is enlightened on mental health, but our also society, I think, is uh, gone in a, a downward spiral on <laughs> civility. <laughs> Way down. Uh, and, Thank you, social media, email, electronic yeah. communication, anonymity, and all that. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, that's might be something that he'll have to deal with. But, you know, you, it's okay. I mean, you'll have to deal with those things in life eventually anyway. Yes, so you do. So you have to deal with it. All right, NFL players, uh, you said they're, they're still under contract this year, right, on the CBA? Yeah. Nobody wants a work stoppage. No. So the owners have approved – a deal with some new parameters. The headlines are uh, extra team in the playoffs, extra game in the regular season. Uh, you predicted all of it. You pretty mm-hmm. much said they'd lighten up on the marijuana testing. They'd lighten up on the marijuana suspensions. They'd, uh, you know, lighten up on training camp, physical requirements. It's all that. And then so what do Add you do? Add an extra an offensive lineman to the roster, right. which is, I think, was vital because of, uh, you know, you're only dressing seven or eight of them and, you know, those guys get hurt quite a bit uh, during the season yeah. and during the game, and, and I think it's for the betterment and improvement of the game and, and gives the team a chance if they have two guys go down, which is not really unusual. Happened with the Browns this year. So <laughs> Shocking that anything you know, that can go wrong did go wrong. Well, then, the I mean, you know, a lot of times you end up putting a tight end to play tackle, and it's just a mismatch. It's not even fun to watch. And so I do think there's some uh, key elements. They'll get a pay raise, um, equivalent of a game check, but only up to $250,000. Yeah, so, so well, that's, that's until, the deal. Yeah, well, that's until until uh, your contract until, lapses. Yeah, and, yeah. and I don't know if they're going to 17 games right away. I think it's going to be... 2020, supposedly. Is that you sure yeah, about that's that? That's what it said. Go into effect 2020. 
Or was that the playoff part? The playoff going part's into going into effect okay. 2020. Right, I don't right. think the 17 games is going into okay. right away. Uh, so there'd be only one team would get a bye first week of the playoffs. If you go seven teams in the playoffs, you'd have three games. Yeah. Which I think is good. I also in each, think, in each conference, you know, and the marijuana. I mean, I think our society as a whole has had a different view of marijuana usage. There's going to be a two week, from my understanding, or from who I people I talk to, there's going to be a two week testing period, and it's not an immediate game suspension. If you do happen to fail test during that two week. Uh, testing period uh, gambling will definitely still be oh they're getting a cut of the gambling money yeah. that the nfl gets which is inevitable off of so in-state legalized gambling the nfl is going to get a cut of that although i don't know how like, if i'm a casino why would i give the money to the nfl I, well, how are they going to keep me from gambling on well, nfl I, games I, at, the, I, at a casino i, I think not, from, not that i don't mean me personally i just mean society in general well i think that it will help you think of it as advertising, right? Official casino. They'd of, rather play along than be at odds. Yeah, the uh, NFL wants some of the money, and the casinos are like, draft, eh, we'd rather have well, you as a that, partner the than fantasy have you as an football enemy. stuff, too, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, official league or official fantasy football league of DraftKings of the NFL or whatever the case may be, there's always money to be made. Sure. From life. There's always part. Yeah. And all, you know that. You, I mean, you know that as well as anybody. I know that as well as anybody. There's always partnerships to be had in the NFL understood and has come a long way in its thoughts on gambling every league has and the money that can be made uh and the players do get a cut of that and so i think you can still you know have strong rules against players and all that gambling against uh in the league that's always going to be a, a no-brainer but why not partner with these people and get some of the chunk of money that's available uh, I do think also that the percentage of the cap, I believe, goes up to 48 or 49 percent uh, for, for the, the players. players, which is, is good. Now, the players' initial reaction, there's only one player that I saw that commented on it, and that was J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt said uh, that would be a hard no on a new CBA agreement. Now, that's easy for J.J. Watt to say that's a hard no because J.J. Watt, I'm sure, is – probably been pretty smart with his money and has made a ton of money. What are you saying to the to the guy that's the the 41st, 42nd, 43rd guy on the roster or a guy that's bouncing from team to team and trying to hang on or or the the great stories that we hear each year Raheem Mostert for example, running sure. back for the San Francisco 49ers that's been on 70. Ah no, that's a hard no. Yeah. Forget about that. We don't want that. Uh, I totally disagree with it. It takes two-thirds of the players to ratify this deal. I think it will be ratified, and I think they're insane not to ratify this deal and take it. Everybody wants a 17th game. Their training camp is now turned into summer camp. Uh, back to compared to back when I played, back when we were day. In, we were in pads twice a day, sometimes three times a day, scrimmaging all the time. And uh, all this is for the betterment of the game. So uh, I think the players would be silly and ridiculous to turn this deal down. It, w it would be ridiculous. That's a hard no. What's your What's your problem with it? The 17th game? You kidding me, dude? Well, particularly when J.J. Watt plays about, what, five games a year yeah. before he's hurt? Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, I think he'd be like, more money? Great. But I'm I mean, only going to play I, five I, games. I just think it's, it's so – I mean, that's – you know, maybe this is the quote-unquote socialist coming out on me. There you go, comrade. But, but I think, for, from my perspective, 
It's easy for J.J. Watt to say, oh, that's a hard no. It's not easy for a guy that's making minimum that only can make minimum maybe for two or three or four years. You know the average career of the NFL is just slightly above two and a half to three years. What are you talking about, dude? This is a chance for guys to make real money and the expand. I really love the the rule, which I did not see until you pointed it out to me this morning, was the extra lineman allowed on the active roster during the game. So it's all good, in my opinion. Uh, Greg Robinson, ex-Brown, getting way ahead of the new CBA liberalized marijuana rules. <laughs> well, I think- 157 pounds of weed in a van or something as he was trying to cross the Mexican border. Come on, man. You can't do that. <laughs> so it's just, you know, he's not a Brown anymore. So that just, I just like, come on. Well, it's man. still, it's like, still like 29 like, million bucks in his not, career. It puts, puts the Browns in the headlines yeah, again. Man. Like, how many people know that Greg Robinson was on a team last year, but he's not coming back this year? But people don't know that he's not coming back this year. The only way you don't know is that he's coming back last or next year, he's not coming back next year, is the fact that he was busted. Carrying 150 pounds of weed and trying to get it through uh, El Paso, Texas, across the border. Sm- I mean, I would just watch this on National Geographic. Smugglers, how to catch a smuggler. Yeah, well. I, I mean, when can we have a good Browns headline? Do they exist? I don't know. Alex Van Pelt, their new offensive coordinator, met with the media this week, and he was, I guess, pretty entertaining and said essentially uh, – Way to fix Baker Mayfield is to fix his footwork, which I think is true, but I don't know if Baker will subject himself to that correction because he's already on record saying, I know what I need to fix. Maybe there's a humility cloud. Maybe. Maybe there's a humility humility cloud that went over Brown's headquarters and it was a vapor like we see in the movies and – Baker inhaled some of the humility and is going to actually listen to Alex Van Pelt, who's an ex-teammate of mine, a great guy, and a really good coach, coached down with the Bengals, been around, bounced around the league for a while with in Buffalo. But this is the one concerning thing for me. The great quarterbacks don't need to have great footwork to be accurate. One thing I talk about, the Russell Wilsons, right? Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers. Matthew Stafford. I mean, the good quarterbacks have to, some guys have to have good footwork, but the good ones don't have to be in sync to be accurate. Patrick Mahomes, for yeah. example. Hmm. I mean, that's the Bassett left-handed. Me, but I, I do think there's certain things that you can work out on footwork, and and I think more consistency from better footwork can come from Baker. But the other thing is, Baker's one of the things that I loved about him is his accuracy, mm-hmm. and so. You know, we'll see how this progresses. And and I think that Baker has been humbled, Bruce. Now, that might not come across in press conferences. I don't know until they get back into OTAs or mini camps. But I do think last year was a humbling experience for him. And I know he's a competitor. And competitors, once they realize that, hey, maybe this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be, usually buckle down and say, well, maybe I don't have all the answers. And and Alex is really good because Alex played in the league. Alex was an underdog backup, try-hard guy. Quarterback? Yeah, okay. from Pitt. Thought and, so, yeah. And so I do think that Alex can could be a benefit and has the right mentality, in my opinion, to be able to handle and deal with Baker in a one-on-one situation and help him become a better player. 
Two years ago, nobody spent more time with the San Francisco 49ers than you in terms of the analyst realm, but Joe Woods was not their defensive coordinator. So did you get a chance to spend any time with Joe Woods, their secondary coach, who would have been the guy who replaced Jeff Halfley with the 49ers when Halfley came here to uh, OSU? Now Joe Woods is the Browns' defensive coordinator. So what we have in the the mindset is that the NFL is a copycat league, right? Mm -hmm. San Francisco 49ers play really good defense. So – San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator was former uh, guy that interviewed for the Browns job and also Michigan State wanted him by a guy by the name of Robert Sala. Robert Sala is a disciple of Pete Carroll. So what that is is that in teams, are it's a copycat league. So it's a lot of uh, what I would play. It's a philosophy that I believe in. It's a lot of matchup zone. It's a lot of one safety eight man in the box, you always have somebody there so you're strong against the run. Uh, you're a little vulnerable in some pass areas, but they, they do a pretty good job. It's not always the scheme. Why are the San Francisco 49ers so dominant on defense? Great pass well, rush. Great pass rush, right? And so what they're able to do is bring four, drop seven, have an extra guy in coverage, and so that makes it more difficult on a quarterback. They don't need to bring extra people to get create that great pass rush. So no matter what the scheme is, it doesn't it matters, but it doesn't really matter because when you have five first rounders on your defensive line and they all rotate in there and they all have excellent pass rush ability, that's the difference maker. And so and they have pretty good corners. And they have good safeties, and they have really good linebackers. So that's what makes a defense. But philosophically, I'd like to move, uh, if I were a coach or if I were a defensive coordinator or if I were the head coach, I would run this particular type of scheme. This is what I would do. This is what I believe in. This is what we did in Buffalo. This is what we did a lot of in Detroit. In fact, we got away from it in Detroit. I remember when walking up to Wayne Fonts' office with a couple guys and and meeting with a defensive coordinator and doing the Kerry Combs thing, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. It's not working. Mm -hmm. What we did do worked. Mm -hmm. And to be really basic about it, what we did do, we played a lot of eight-man front, so it was easier to play the run because each guy only had one gap. You weren't a gap short up front, and you were solid against the pass. And that's when Hank Bullock came in and kind of changed everything. But anyway... This is, uh, I think, a good move, and I think Kevin, good head coaches, offensive head coaches, understand what defenses give them trouble, and that's what they go to. That's who they hire a guy to instill that type of or install that type of defense. It'll be interesting to see if the Browns. Uh, we've joked, and people have made all kinds of comments about the analytics approach. It'll be interesting if they use the analytics to get through to, like, say, Baker Mayfield on, hey, look, Baker, here's your completion percentage, and here's how successful you are when you're back and your feet are set and this, that, and the other. And, you know, they're hope they're going to uh, hopefully bolster or have to bolster the offensive line in the offseason. They got the 10th pick. Would you draft for need at 10, which is tackle, or would you best player available? There's always a guy who expects to go in the top 10, who drops. And I, I don't know who it'll be, but like I said the other day, I'm hoping they get Jeff Okuda, and you're like, well, a corner? Yeah. Well, if I'm Jeff old. Okuda or Isaiah Simmons or Jerry Judy, somebody who's perceived to go in the top 10, happens to be there at 10, and they're best player on your board versus we need to tackle, how would you feel about 
at 10 drafting best player available. I, I'm always uh, – I always – Best player available. Me too. I, I Me mean, too. There's a reason why you put grades on guys and and what you get paid to do and the forecast of what this guy is going to be. Uh, I think when you start drafting for pure need, you get in big trouble. I really believe that. And uh, I don't know if there's an offensive tackle. I think the highest rated offensive tackle, I forget his name right now, is a kid from Georgia. Uh, Andrew Thomas. And I don't know if he's a top 10 worthy guy. I don't know what the grades are on him when I start getting ready for the draft. Uh, I'll certainly have a better feel uh, for that. But if I'm the Browns, look, for Baker Mayfield, the other thing that he has to get over is that I know it's hard to imagine this not happening inside of a huddle of the Cleveland Browns if Jarvis Landry's not coming back and saying, you better start throwing me the football. Or if OBJ's coming over the sidelines and throwing a hissy fit because he's not getting the ball, which is not uncommon amongst NFL teams and wide receivers, by the way. Not at all. I think that would be something, if I were Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt, something that I would examine and say, you know, is this is this an issue for us? You know, and eventually you have to have that quarterback stand up and say, I'll throw the ball to where the ball's supposed to be thrown. End of story. And you guys can moan and complain and, and cry and uh, whine all you want. It's not going to matter. Then that quarterback needs to have that head coach's backing when those guys step up and start complaining. I do think if I'm the Browns, I'm looking to drop uh, OBJ or trade a Jarvis Landry. I don't think I need two of those divas. I'll take one and deal with it. I don't need two. And I think OBJ would probably be the more likely candidate to be traded away, whether that's to the Patriots or wherever that may be. That's something that I would look to do on on, um, on draft day if I wanted to move up to sweeten the pot, if there's a guy that I really love in the top five or whatever the case may be. You can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook and um we are going to switch gears to a little bit of Ohio State football. we got spring practice starting at sometime soon. I saw a story the other day from uh, a guy at Clemson. He wrote a story, Five Reasons Why Clemson Will Win the National Championship, and then later Again? the next day, Five Reasons Why Clemson Won't Win the National Championship. And I got to thinking, what would the reasons be that Ohio State would not be a playoff team next year? And I would say as we go into spring ball, the two storylines that will be most interesting to me will be who emerges as the backup quarterback. And I think this will be eye test only. I don't think Ryan Day is going to come out and say, oh, you know, Jack Miller is way ahead of C.J. Stroud. They don't want either one of those guys to transfer, Mm -hmm. so they're going to play it like they played it back in the Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow Burrow days. They're going to soft pedal it. They're going to not make a decision until they have to make a decision and commit until they have to commit to keep both guys interested and engaged. So that's going to be one storyline. It's going to be purely eye test, as it was back in – Troy Smith, Justin Zwick, and that was not supposed to be a battle. That was supposed to be like, oh, Justin Zwick's the heir apparent. Where are they going to fit this Troy Smith kid in? And once I saw Troy Smith throw the football, I'm like, whoa, yeah, that kid, how are you going to keep him off the field? Well, eventually they did not. But the other storyline, and this is germane to whether Ohio State will be a playoff team, is secondary. Their heaviest losses are in the secondary with Jordan Fuller, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett off to the league. And then you add to that what right now appears to be uh, no Buckeye future for Amir Reap and Jocelyn Wint. 
and those two guys were going to play. They were going to be in the rotation. I think at least one of them was going to start. So secondary-wise, welcome back to town, Kerry Combs. You got a lot of talent to deal with, but you got a lot of holes to fill. Well, those uh, obviously that's a big need, right? Or just a big question mark. And usually that question is answered positively, positively uh, by the the Buckeyes. I mean, we always have guys in the secondary. I mean, right now Ohio State is known as DBU, and these guys seem to come out of nowhere. And with Kerry back in town, and they're well coached. Uh, they're really smart football players. They're aggressive. Uh, they're a prideful group back there because they um, understand what it means to be part of the DBU. And and I think there's a tradition building back there. And so those guys take it seriously, and they push each other. And why the secondary is usually so good is Ohio State because of the competition created. And uh, I'm not concerned with the secondary right now. Now, maybe that could change once the season starts, but I always think – they always seem to answer the challenge when the challenge is presented to them. I got one big question mark on this team. The running back? That's running. I, I, I don't know who the running back is. I don't know well, who You and that's I were going. the president and vice president of the as Master backup, Team Fan Club. As a backup, not as the guy. He's not the guy. He's not the guy. Really? Yes. Why not? Because he's uh, not diverse enough for me. What I would run at that position, you don't. You didn't buy my Eddie he's George not, comparison no, the other day. Jumping from his sophomore, his junior year. Not, no, Eddie's better. No, Master Teague is is a bruiser. He's uh, one step, one cut, north and south guy. He doesn't have the hands or fluidness or the hips or the shake that I want in that position. He's a perfect one B. He's a one changeup mm-hmm. guy. He's not a starting running back. That's not to say he's not going to play in the NFL. That's not to say he can't have a thousand yards. We talked about taste, like yeah. That's just not my taste at running back. It's nothing to do with Master Teague or what type of football player he is. I just don't think he's going to be the starting running back when it comes out and when it's starting. When when the first game of the season, I could be wrong. I'm just telling you that's not what I want. Now I want him to carry the ball ten to fifteen times a game. Mm-hmm. But I want the J.K. Dobbins type of running back. I want the Ezekiel Elliott type of running back. I want the uh, more the, the the shake guy, the guy that can make people miss in space. He doesn't make people miss in space. What does he do with people in space? What's he try to do? Run him over. That's it. But he can run away from him too. I I I think Teague will be the starting running back. I don't have any doubt about that. Steel Chambers, Demario McCall. Uh, those are guys that come to mind. Um, Marcus Crowley, and they got one freshman that was like a late commit from Cincinnati, Winton Woods. Um, yeah, I, I do think I will, because you had a great appreciation for J.K. Dobbins, I will gain a greater appreciation. To start the season. Start the season? Okay. No, I didn't. Yeah. But I we both quickly. Uh, we both became big fans. Quickly Although, became a big fan of J.K. Dobbins. What's wrong? Um, I see Tanner Muse diving at him from behind in the. You gotta let it go. I know. You gotta let it go. You're you're turning into me. Where Mm. I still I you know this is really true that I still will actually wake up in the middle of the night and think of a play of an NFL game. 
that I played in. Doesn't surprise me. I And Ohio State game. I still wake up in the middle of the night on a blitz in Michigan my sophomore year, and Harbaugh hits John Colasar on a deep post. You do no way had coverage on that. No, I was blitzing. I could have got yeah. to Harbaugh. I just uh. I I banged him, but he threw the ball. I was late. I was there too late. And there's Colasar running down on a post wide open, catches the ball and goes into the end zone. I woke up in the middle of the night. Uh. I wake up in the middle of the night all the time thinking about um games and that I'm still playing, like I'm still in my youth playing this game. Maybe that's why I am committed to doing 6,000 miles this year. Now I have Achilles tendonitis in my right hip herps because the past two days I've gotten a total of 73 miles in two days. Have you ever heard the phrase, listen to your body? Yeah, but that's weakness talking. <laughs> the pain is weakness leaving my body. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> that's, on, that might be a warning yeah. sign. You should take a day my off. My Achilles just... How I, many I, miles are you ahead? You're like way ahead of pace. Well, it's, I'm at... 1130 miles right now and we said 16 miles a day was 16.5 i need to average 500 a month okay so i have nine more days that i could take off and still be 112 miles ahead maybe a week's rest i do your body good i can't it's just i it's it's a mental uh, illness right now i mean i must i mean i'm not saying that lightly i mean i have like if i don't do it then, I know it's good for the mind. No, Very but 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 if I don't do it, then I get anxious and yeah. I start pacing, and it just I feel guilty. Well, pacing because walking and that's you can yeah. count that. Well, I did two and a half miles before I came here this morning. What on what? Uh, uh, on the treadmill. Then I go. I'll go home and do twenty on the Peloton. Then I'm. <laughs> I'm I'm looking into my crystal ball, envisioning a summer day where you're biking out here to do the show. I'm not biking out here. It's, are you kidding me? Between the get wild you, animals, get you 15 miles, of 15 out, 15 between back. Between the wild animals and the crazy drivers. So, I mean, these farmers are insane drivers out here. They are, they like are. I'm driving down. What's the road I turn on? Not Smith Calhoun. What's the the other one's Rings. I turn on rings and like I'm going 55 and that's too slow. Like <laughs> what? Yes. The other day, I mean, there's people like tailgating me and I'm going to speed limit. Then I have to speed up. And the guy speeds up and pass. This is insane out here. It is insane. It's a wild, wild west out here. On a tractor, no less. <laughs> you know they're in a hurry. Do you really like living here? By the I way, I do very much. Seriously, I do. What do you? I mean, it's quiet. You guys really like this? Yes. Right. I do like it. Hope we can what, what about the barn? get some sponsors so I can continue to afford the house payment. <laughs> Kids, bad news. Everybody needs to get a yeah. job. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's enlightening that you still wake up thinking about plays. I'm not le- I'm not the least bit surprised by that. I I, I don't like it. You know. Well, I can understand that. Yeah. Well, here's the reason why. One. It's not why why do you think I don't like it? Cuz you want to move on from that life and, you know, probably because you don't remember the great plays you made. You ever wake up thinking, "Wow, well, no. Oregon, I was a beast." No, never. No. I I I no, it's always 
An Iowa game, they were number one. <laughs> I took care of Chuck Long that day. It's, it's that all, Cotton Bowl. No, you never wake up thinking of that. I well, I had off off games. Was, uh, only two. You only off, had two interceptions in the Cotton Bowl and uh, against Iowa, but against only Chuck two. Long, yeah, was, my hamstring was tight. <laughs> That's why I tell play my through kids, it. take a tough pill. I just play in the Cotton Bowl, dads. I only had two picks, one touchdown, and uh, I don't know, fifteen tackles, but my. My back and hamstrings were tight, so don't hold, you, don't hold that against me. It's a wonder no, you even kidding. got drafted. <laughs> so, no kid-ass Mel Kuyper. <laughs> um, no, but all seriousness, uh, I I don't want to think about it because I'm a little sad when I wake up. Because it's over? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, and it's I hate it. I hate feeling like that. But there's nothing I can do uh, about controlling that. I mean, I can't control my dreams, so... But I still dream about playing all the time. Maybe now would be a good time to think about thankfulness that you got to experience that, and many others dreamt of it and did not. Okay. What do you, but you also put in a ton of work to make it happen, too. <laughs> okay. I don't want to undervalue that part of it. Uh, email I time. I didn't build that. No, no, you did build that. Okay. <laughs> uh, email time. SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, this comes from uh, BGW. He says, uh, again, I love the podcast today. Great insight as always. Question on Cardale Jones. From what I read, it appears the XFL could pay Cardale $500,000 to stay uh, if they're still viable next year. What is an average NFL backup quarterback salary? Roughly around five hundred, I would think, for Cardale. Uh, He said, I'm thinking that might not be that much of a raise. He might be better off staying in the XFL, being the face of the league. Then if it goes under, then the NFL will be an option. Also, I forgot to mention in my previous email, I have an OSU Spielman bobblehead. Uh, he says boobblehead, but I think uh-huh. he means bobblehead. That someone got me for a gift some time ago. It fits nicely on my shelf in my OSU themed bathroom. Nice. Very good. That's yeah, what about Cardale? A lot of people put me in the bathroom. <laughs> what about Cardale staying as face of the XFL? I think Are there probably, endorsements to be made off that? Uh, I think that a little bit, probably more local endorsements, but. Uh, um, he probably. I, I actually, I actually want to uh, amend a, no, a comment. I do think he probably make more in the NFL as a backup. I was thinking for Cardale Jones, if you're the number two guy, you're floating around seven fifty to a million. Yeah, I think five hundred's low for yeah. an NFL backup quarterback. If he comes in and he wins games, you know, in a three week situation or something like that. Yeah. I mean, look, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, had a devastating injury. Went from starter to he's he's traversed the whole. Roller coaster of, yeah. of status as an NFL it's quarterback. An First round story. draft pick, starter, playoff team, devastating injury, career over, inspiring comeback, reliable backup, Actually, now coveted, you know, new quarterback. In the interest of accuracy, I believe he was a second round draft well, choice. Rick traded up to get him in the first. We'll have to look that okay. up. It was right on the cusp. Yeah. The other. I think he was a second round pick, okay. but, but, um, I think I predict that Teddy Bridgewater will be the uh, quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. There you go. Duly note that. Yeah. Uh, here's another email uh, from uh, someone in Plain City. Nick. There it is. Hi, Nick. Thanks for the email. He says, if Spielman was the general manager for the Washington Redskins, would he draft Chase Young or Jeff Okuda? Uh, at, you know, they need both. I've done a couple red did some Redskins games at the end of the year. Ryan Kerrigan's a guy who's on a downswing of his career, the most consistent pass rusher. The Redskins have they drafted a, a pass rusher Sweat uh, last year, uh, who's coming along pretty well. Um, for me, uh, I would probably draft Je- Chase Young over Jeff Okuda. I think Chase is uh, going to be a tremendous NFL player. 
I think that those pass rushers are so difficult to find. So are good corners, but you can find corners. And, and I just think uh, Chase would be graded higher than Jeff Akuda as far as NFL grades and stuff. So you're talking about need at both positions and who has the higher grade. The higher grade would be Chase Young, so I would draft uh, Chase Young over Jeff Akuda. If I'm the Lions, I'd probably draft Jeff, Jeff Akuda third since they're probably looking to trade Darius Slay, who's their best corner, uh, if he's there. If not, uh, I would look at I would really look at the Isaiah Simmons kid from Clemson, the linebacker that is uh, a tremendous athlete. And in today's NFL, Isaiah Simmons is a rare guy that can go out and cover slot receivers, yet he's big enough and strong enough to play in the box to be a solid run player, and he can match up with tight ends. So it'll be interesting to see. I saw on the mock draft we were looking at the other day, Isaiah Simmons was um, – I don't think he's going to last fall out of the top ten. I frequently see him ninth to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I, I kind of get a, a feeling that somebody's going to move up and take him earlier. And, it's, it's again, I haven't studied the draft. Uh, if I work the – the draft for NF, our Fox radio, sports radio, which I've done the past few years with Kurt Menefee and Jay Glazer and uh, Joel Klatt. Um, My good friend, I'll, Joel Klatt. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell him you said hello. Do that, please. Why do, why do you, uh, why do you, why he's you a, always he's a Joel? He's a bold statement maker. He's not an analyst. Okay. He just makes bold statements. He doesn't tell me why. He doesn't tell me why. Tells yeah, tells you what. Tells me why. what. Make well, he doesn't even really tell me what. He just makes bold statements. This guy's the best at this. This guy's this. This guy's this. Why? Well, why? That's a good point. I mean, I don't know that he does that, but I. It's a good reminder for me to tell why, not what. So, um, I would take Chase Young because I would always take a pass rusher over a corner. I said the Browns should have taken Bradley Chubb over Denzel Ward because look. It's a big investment, and pass rushers have a longer shelf life. You mentioned Ryan Kerrigan, like 10 years in the league at least. Terrell Suggs, Dwight Freeney. There are lots of old pass rushers who are productive. There are no old corners who are productive. No, and they hit, and their shelf life is 27 to 29 yeah. years old. It's about hit. six, seven, eight years. But Redskins just released uh, Josh Norman too. So, And actually, Josh Norman got shelved about week 13. Mm-hmm. Of, of last year so they're hard to find corners and pass rushers so those two will certainly i think be top five picks which is a credit again to ohio state and the amount of talent that they not only get to come here but the great job that the coaches and everybody involved with that football program does to develop that talent it's just amazing it, it really is it, it, it's fun to see well and to that point they're Every projection for next year has Ohio State as a playoff team and has Ohio State as the Big Ten champion. And they lost three All-Americans early. J.K. Dobbins, yeah. Jeff Okuda, and Chase Young. Nobody, I mean, you can say when they, people talk about, oh, graduation losses. Nobody ever talks about Ohio State's no. graduation losses. They lost three All-Americans early. Isn't that amazing? And most teams, if you lose one or two, it'd be like, oh, biggest shoes to fill. They Nobody don't. even talks about that with Ohio State because they recruited so well and they developed so well behind. And after you watch Chase Young wreak havoc, you can say, oh, yeah, well, Tyreek Smith will be next or Zach Harrison will be yeah, next or this guy will be next. You always know who's next. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Well, the other thing, too, with Ohio State is why, you know, you can say that Ohio State's going to be a playoff and 
team is because of the quarterback and and yep. Justin Fields and what he was able to. That was the obviously the biggest question going into last year, and he I, I he exceeded expectations. At least he he way exceeded my expectations of what type of player he was going to be. So, uh, I mean, look, Ryan Day has it going on. He knows he has it going on. It's just the pressure that Ryan Day is going to be under is that he's going to get to the point where getting the playoffs is not going to be good enough. He's not going to be able – that's the crazy standard. that I, It's not my standard. Well, it is kind of, but he's got to, he's, he's got to get one of these. When he has this type of talent and you're uh, considered a playoff team every single year – I think that Ryan Day understands that the the standard and what needs to be done and for me to seal or to continue the legacy of a great Ohio State head coaches is winning a national championship. That's the standard that Urban Meyer has set. And Tress. Tress set it by winning a national championship. Yeah, playing for two others. Uh we chatted about running back, you know, with Justin Fields, a healthy Justin Fields. I wonder if some of the wiggle, long-distance threat stuff that you think Master Teague lacks. Would Justin Fields be a viable solution to that more? We didn't think, you know, last year we thought, how much are they going to use him as a runner? They don't have anybody behind him. Now they'll have a freshman behind him. Do they dare use him as a runner this year and get him hurt? But if he's healthy, you know, we for, I think we tend to forget, and I'm not sure we ever really saw them fully explore him as a runner. Yeah, I, I don't think Ryan's is – committed to having a running quarterback as Urban Meyer was committed. Well, you to might them. need him at Oregon. You might need him at Penn State. Yeah, I just, just don't. selectively employ him. In that yeah, I, I, that, I wanted to say what I said last year. I think when he needs to run, he'll run. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we're playing Miami or BG or somebody like that, he, don't run the ball. Just hand it off and yeah. we'll be smart about what Stay we do and when we do it. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, last night, uh, as we transition into the faith portion of the podcast, I was on my conference call with my buddies, and uh, the podcast came up. We were talking about how do you grade success, and uh, all these guys are very accomplished in their fields professionally, and they all have you know sales teams and management teams that they manage, and, uh, and I do not. Uh, but they said, well, you have a podcast. How do you and Chris measure success? And I said, well, that's an interesting question. I said, when we started the podcast, we – wanted it to make an impact, and that was what we were committed to. But we've been competitors and in radio long enough that we also brought a lot of those grading scales with us in terms of number of people who listen and subscribers and are we attracting sponsors and all that kind of stuff. And I said it's been a fluid situation for us to evaluate the success of the podcast in terms of uh, our numbers grew beyond my expectations early. Um, have uh, stabilized but are not continuing at that growth pace. Uh, but impact-wise, it's very gratifying to get emails from people who say, I used to tune out from the faith portion, now I stick around for the faith portion. And then I had a friend last night on the conference call say he had a buddy who used to listen to the podcast and he stopped listening because of the faith portion. And he didn't want to hear the faith portion anymore. Oh, really? And I was like... Okay, that's fine. Because mm -hmm. we know we're not for everybody. What Apparently he has trouble finding the off switch. I, when the faith... I said, well, that's Brian. That's why we put it at the end so it's easy to X out of. He's like, oh. I would actually. But then I had another guy say, 
He doesn't have the time to listen to all the sports banter. He said, Beautiful. I get on, and I fast-forward to the faith portion of the podcast. I actually want to, you know, do some shows where it's just a faith-based show. I was trying to talk you into that, but apparently Satan has a hold of you, and you doesn't want you to do that. Uh... It's got me in a death grip, <laughs> particularly this week. Well, he goes after God's favorites, and you've always told me you're one of God's favorites. So. Yes, here we go. I didn't yes. think you could. I didn't think you could over embellish your story about my high school cross country exploits, but you just managed to. <laughs> By the way, I laugh every time I hear you say, "Oh, when you won that state championship well, single-handedly." Well, you you did. That I mean, cracks you me carry, up. But you carried the team, Bruce. Yeah. Those guys all know it, too, because they've heard me talk about it. No, they don't. They know otherwise. (laughs) No, I mean, I measure success for this is when the story of the gentleman that uh, is dealing with, and he shared it, dealing with prostate cancer. And, you know, when you get devastating news, I just had a conversation with a fellow yesterday, and unfortunately I have too many of these conversations. But uh, he is... um, Concerned that he might be dealing with a cancer situation coming up in his life mm. and, you know, how to handle it and what to do. And if it happens, how'd you do it? What, or how'd Steph do it? Or how'd you guys do it as a couple? And then just passed on my experience to them. So, and he heard about that guy through the podcast and, and was asking me the same thing. That could be me. What should I do? You know, so. I do think that we're presented certain opportunities. And again, our job on this podcast, on the face segment, is not to impose what we believe on anybody. It's to uh, expose what we believe and to challenge you. And the thing I always think about, what if Bruce and I are right? What do you have to gain? Well, you have everything to gain. What if you, Bruce and I are wrong? What do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. There's nothing then we're all wrong. Then after this life, everybody's dead and we just, nothing exists. There's nothing there. And so one of us is right and one of us is wrong. Cause yeah. you, I mean, that's, there's no middle ground. That's the answer. And the only thing that we ask you to do was just examine what you think is right. And, and if it turns you off, oh, I'm sorry that it turns you off. We're not trying to turn you off. What I want to do and what we want to do is say, well, just, Examine it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Bruce's word for it. Just put the time in to examine it and know why you're going to reject yeah. it because it is the most, it is, has the greatest gravity of any decision you'll ever make in your life. So, with all that being said, um, I, I get Bible verses and read every single day. And I had a, this week, I've seemed to receive one particular message. And I'm going to share a series of verses with you. And this seemed to be hitting me, whether um, it pops up on my phone or pops up on Twitter or somebody shares one with me. But this uh, the, this series of Bible verses uh, must be a message from God. And it's really caught my attention. And it's basically uh, about how I deal with situations and how I treat people. So just bear with me as I read these, mm-hmm. will you? Sure. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers, Galatians 6.10. But it's do good to all people. Uh, God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Let ev- uh, Psalm 91.10. 
James 1.19, I talked about this the other day. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Uh, these things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So even though you're going to have troubles and tribulations and trials, don't worry about it. God's got it, and in the long term, keep the eternal perspective. Here's another one. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Well, quite frankly... I'm not doing this podcast out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I'm not. I'm doing it as uh, a chance uh, for me and you to just have a normal conversation with people. That's something that's very important to us. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Do not seek, that's Philippians 2, 3, and this is the last one. It's Leviticus 19, 18. It's an Old Testament, by the way, Leviticus for you. It's a book of rules. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbors yourself. So that whole series of message was about how to treat people and how to handle situations. Be slow to anger, slow to, slow to speak, be a good listener. Do not seek revenge. I mean, all this, right? This is, as I'm saying this, you're smiling because I know these verses speak to you and it speaks to most people. Really this week speak to me big time. Well, why? Can I've you, had can some. You share I've had some. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I had two instances in the past week where I've felt like, well, I've felt like things have happened that were not fair. And you know me, and my career history is to really push back when I perceive that um, I've asked the right questions or I've had good intentions, and things have been twisted or. I've not been told the truth mm. or the full truth. Yeah, that's that's a that's a it's hard for you. Those it's are my hard struggles. for most of us, but it's really hard for you. So I was thinking uh, this week, convicted Bruce, you have an addiction to being right. <laughs> you do. You're right. I have fighter, an ad- yeah. I have an addiction to being right. That's interesting. Yes, and so I prayed about it to handle the first situation that came up where I tried to do something good. I tried to help someone and I was someone threw a response back at me that it, it just, it just very few, right in the very face. few yeah. things could be said to me that would aggravate me more than what was said to me. <laughs> okay. um, I'm laughing only because no. I've experienced what you're experiencing. Yeah. It's, and so it's, it's, I'm relating to it. So I went So I went to Proverbs, and I tried to reconcile that, and I tried to not respond the way I used to respond. And then I heard a message on the radio, and it's, this is interesting how God speaks to you, because I went to my Bible, and he spoke to me through uh, verses in the Bible. And then I was listening to Christian radio, and there was a uh, message on, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And I've mm. always thought of that as somebody who had like a really aggrieved situation. Your wife gets attacked, or you know, like vengeance. And yeah. I thought, no, oh, Bruce... That that applies to you and your little piddly disagreements. Let God handle it. You don't have to handle it. And then part of the sermon was, you don't have to compromise your principles, but you do have to set aside your right to avenge and your right to be right and to have the other person say, yeah, you're right. Your way's better. So I don't have to compromise my principles. I don't have to say I'm wrong. I just have to like let it go and not have to seek vengeance for it. And then you come at me with these verses, which the encouragement to me is I took a step to try to handle it better than I've handled it in the past. 
So then the Bible spoke to me. So then the radio message spoke to me. And then Chris Spielman, who we don't rehearse this stuff, folks. This is just off the cuff. What's working in Chris's life meshes and intertwines with what's working in my life. And so that's great. But then yesterday I had another different incident that's a big challenge for me. Mm-hmm. So God's reaching out to help me, and Satan's going, yeah, but here, I got I hit you with the left hook. Wait till I hit you with yeah. the right cross. So it's a battle. There's a battle going on, and you have to purpose to stand on the truth. What do I know to be true? What do I know about how I should react? Where can I go to find the resources to react in a healthy way? That is the battle of the Christian life. And as you do that, you will be given the peace to know that God will respond to you through the Word, through messages on the radio, through friends, through this, through that. He will. Through podcasts. Hopefully. So the old Bruce, when you received that message back, this this would be the old Bruce's response. That's me typing ten thousand yeah. a ten thousand word essay on how you're right. Well, this and, was and a face, the, this was a face to face, and oh, I'm very gifted with the face to face comebacks and put downs. <laughs> no, let me rephrase that. I'm very cursed. I'm very cursed. It's not a gift. It's a curse. I don't want to. I don't want to get talents in, you have. I don't want to get into the specifics of what it was no, that's on fine. the on the podcast. But trust me, when I tell you what it was, you will laugh when you know what this person said to me because you'll be like, dude, I can't believe you didn't go hard back at him. And I so badly wanted to, but I know it was not the right response. But and I'm not holding myself up here, folks, as, oh, look at me, I did it right. No. I've done it wrong my entire <laughs> professional career. I have. Doesn't mean I haven't been good at what I do, but I've not been godly. At what I do. I've not been humble at what I do. I have made way too many mistakes in that regard. I could have stood on principle and not sought vengeance. Mm-hmm. Instead, I stood on principle and sought vengeance because, well, I'm standing on principle. I'm standing for what's right. You can stand for principle without having to avenge. Like I said the other day, my buddy who said, Bruce, do you believe God goes before you? And I'm like, sure I do. And he's like, no, I don't. And I'm like, what do you mean he doesn't? Well, why would you say God doesn't go before me? And he's like, because you're always out front. You never let him get in front of you. Well, look, knowing you, first of all, when I first worked with you, and we talked about this, you and I have talked about it, and it's those are new to the podcast, your normal response was always an emotional response. Yep. And when I was a player and at the height of my competitiveness, my normal response was always an emotional response because I was always competing, always wanting to win, or, as you say, always wanted to be right and anxious to show you why I am right. How right right I was. and Yeah, and to gloat about my rightness. And now you have been humbled. I've been humbled to the core. We're both two humble dudes here, to be honest with you. I mean, really humble guys. Well, we're so, still fighting it. We're still battling. I'm, well, st- I'm going, still you're, battling. You're going it. to battle it for the rest of your life, but at least now you're holding each thought captive. Trying, yeah. So there's a verse in the Bible, and it's in Corinthians, and and uh, I'll have it for you on Monday, unless you can you can pull it up, and I'll go ahead and preach on this for one second. But you hold each thought captive to Christ. So what that means is, okay, when I'm presented with a temptation or an opportunity or a fight or 
or to show how much right I am, how do I respond? Do I respond in the human Bruce way or the human Chris way? Or do I think about that response, hold that thought captive to Christ, and think about, well, how would Jesus respond in its 2 Corinthians 10.5? So read that, what that says. And so somebody can use this. I guarantee you somebody out there listening to this will use this this weekend if you put it into action. Read it. Yeah, it says, uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself off up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's the WWJD. What would Jesus do? Yeah. In every situation, I'm taking this thought, I'm making it obedient to the character of Jesus Christ. The humble, stand, not going to compromise his principles, but he's going to be humble. He's going to, he's a, we said before, he's a gentleman. He stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't barge through the door, knock the door down. He waits for you to invite him into your life. Well, that's, uh, fortunately for us, the, um, in, in Christianity, it's a free will in a, a relationship thing. You know, God's going to give you the, the freedom to make your choices and decisions, but he's also given you the wisdom on how to make your choices and decisions. So if you're seeking wisdom, uh, one way to get that wisdom is to be obedient to Christ and hold each thought obedient to Christ. Um, I shared in something that I've been struggling with this week on how to handle a certain situation that somebody told me. I am mm-hmm. not. I will, if I get ever get permission to share this story with you, uh, the listener, I will. And it it was a little bit hurtful for me because of the response that this person thought I would give, and how shocked he was at the response that I did give him, but it's a str- it, 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 it's two worlds colliding, basically, mm-hmm. and I was at a loss, and it's, a, it's, it's, it, it's at a, uh, it's kind of where, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this, where you're not uh, turning your back, but you're not compromising. And it's a very fine line it is. to walk. And, you don't, and sometimes you don't know if you're, I, I go back and forth on this situation that I talked to you about. But ultimately, my response was a response of love and not one of that, well, I'm right, even though I know what the standard is. And I'm not going to compromise that, but I also will let God handle that situation, which I'm not capable of doing. Does that make any sense? It does. I I know your situation, and I know why you can't share the specifics of it. I know what a struggle it is for you and what a struggle it would be for me. I want to share it because I want people to learn from it or make their own decisions. I think the important thing is your friend knew where you stood, and you responding in the way that you did— I think was definitely a loving response and would make them think more than if you just opened the barrels he expected you to open. But you know the 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 sad thing about that, and this is a good lesson for you mm-hmm. because it's a good lesson it was a good lesson for me, right? And so we learn lessons from each other by sharing these experiences. What was most hurtful to me was the response that he thought 
that I would give him. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And the response that he thought I would give him was one based on vengeance or judgment or being a right fighter. Did that bother you because... I'll just ask you, why did that bother you, that his expected response was what it was? Because my relationship with this person is deep Mm -hmm. and long and loyal and sacrificial on both ends. And I thought he would, even though he knew I wouldn't compromise, I thought he would know that my feelings for him were um, stronger than me lashing out at him in some type of sermon. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. When I've had situations where people have responded to me and given me a portrait of who I've given them reason to believe I am, it hurts me because I realize, well, they didn't make that assumption about me out of thin air. I've given them a reason to assume that I react that yeah. way. That's why those things bother well, me. Well, and I also think that, you know, we, we tend to say, we tend to look at each other if we don't get the response that we want to get or if people view us a certain way, um, we blame ourselves, right? You yep. blame Bruce, yep. I blame yep. Chris. Well, it's a two-way street if we're going to be honest. There's some other, some hang-ups that yeah. other people have, too, that uh, helps come to the certain conclusions. But you just keep working through them, and you keep doing it through communication, and you keep doing it with love. I would say the unofficial official verse of this program, two verses that we've, I think, put into practice day one was uh, 2 Corinthians um, uh was it fifteen or sixteen, thirteen, and fourteen? Yeah. Be on your guard. Stand firm in your faith. Be a man of strength. Be a man of courage. And in uh, verse sixteen, above all, do everything with love. So if you kind of keep those rules, you usually can navigate the every situation in your life pretty darn well, whatever that may be, good and bad. That's the goal, and the challenges never stop. That's for sure. Uh, no, they seem to keep coming since. You are God's favorite, according to you, but. <laughs> I'll have to edit that part out. <laughs> Once again, the power of the CEO. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Always great to be with you folks. We deeply appreciate your time. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and send us your questions, your feedback. We love feedback. You guys have been slack and reviewing it on iTunes. That's a way to get your name read on the show as our emails, Spielman Hooley Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>